Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everybody and welcome back to Discover North Korea. This is episode 25 and today we are going to be discussing the topic surprising things you can do in North Korea. Now these are going to be a mix of things that are really truly surprising um, and things that are actually really mundane life things that for some reason uh, one reason or another, people are still surprised that you can actually do in North Korea. Firstly, though, I want to start with saying a big sorry about last week. If you listened um, right when it came out, it actually uploaded in two times speed. Um, so I'm really sorry for all of those, um, you know, eager people who downloaded it straight away and had to listen to my voice in um, in a very sped up manner. And even when you, I heard, you know, even when you tried to make it slower, um, it, it the sound came out funny. Anyway, um, you know, we are 25 episodes in and I'm still making these kind of mistakes. I have no idea how it happened. But anyway, I do apologize for that. And I do just want to mention that I've seen on Spotify, if you're currently listening on Spotify, it does seem that the old episode is still there. Um, but and, and I can't really change that. I've changed it on ACAS where I upload them. Um, and it seems to have automatically done that on Apple Podcasts. But yeah, unfortunately, if you're a Spotify listener like me, um, then you may have some issues accessing it. But it is available on YouTube. So I do recommend going there and giving it a listen and um, and maybe double check on Spotify to see if it's back, like undownload it and then redownload it. It is worth it. I was so annoyed because I think it's like a really cool episode. Um, I basically asked ChatGPT for some crazy myths on North Korea and we chat about them. It was really fun. So it's such a shame that it uploaded badly. But anyway, um, if you get a chance to go back and listen to it. Next week's podcast is going to be all about landscapes, which kind of ties in to the competition that is coming out on my YouTube 
um, and Instagram this weekend. So that's a kind of a little bit of a clue, but it doesn't give away too much. Anyway, that's the topic for next week, so do uh, do come back for that. And also look out for the new YouTube video that I'm pretty excited about that is coming out this weekend, um, 6 p.m. China time on the 1st of July. And I can't believe it's already halfway through 2023. I've just realized when I was saying that. Do make sure to give it a look and right at the end, I think it's timestamp 10.55 minutes in, um, there you'll be able to find the details to enter the competition and I'll also go over them in next week's podcast too. If you're not already a subscriber on YouTube, then do head over to YouTube and search Zoe Discovers. You'll find me. It's at Zoe Discovers. You can also find me on Instagram at Zoe Discovers NK or at Zoe Discovers and pretty much every other social media platform that you use, Twitter, TikTok, all of those things. If you have any questions, you can also email me on Zoe Discovers at gmail.com. And one more thing before we get stuck in. This might seem a little bit bizarre for some of you who know me from only the North Korea side of things. And if you are one of those people only interested in North Korea, then please feel free to fast forward the next couple of minutes whilst I tell you about a project that I am getting involved in in Tonga. For those that don't know, I basically spent the entire COVID-19 pandemic on a small island in the middle of the South Pacific called Tonga. Lots of stuff happened. I basically went there for a weekend. I ended up staying a year and a half. There was a cyclone, there was flooding, there was hundreds of puppies, there was running hundreds of kilometers in one day. Um, it was a very strange time of my life. It definitely shaped my uh, late 20s. It's actually a really long and bizarre story. You can find out some little bits of information on this if you type in basically like girl gets stuck on Tonga during COVID or something like that into Google, you'll probably find some, like there was a Forbes article, there's a CNN article, and I will also put them in the show notes. Why I'm announcing this now is because I'm actually going back to Tonga. I'm so glad that I can finally announce this. I'm going back to Tonga to film a documentary. I'll be there for, I think about 10 days to basically film a documentary on my experience. Um, and it's going to feature like the people that I was there with and basically everyone that helped make my story what it was. It's going to feature, um, you know, the beautiful landscapes of Tonga. There's so many different themes about it as well, like running, dogs, isolation, the environment. There's going to be so much going on. So I'm super excited for that. I head out in about a month. I'm going to first go to New Zealand and then head over to Tonga. So that's going to be my August sorted. If anyone has any New Zealand tips, let me know. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because we are actually doing like a crowdfunder thing for the documentary. We do have a target amount to get for the crowdfunder, but the documentary is going ahead regardless. The crowdfunder is basically there to have an opportunity to get everyone involved if they want to. It's not like, you know, if we don't get enough money, then it won't be produced. It's, it's more of a like, 
getting everyone together kind of community feels. So you basically get like some kind of like reward for donating if you wanted to. For example, um, you know, your credit as executive producer, you can get like a, a note from me in Tonga. Anyway, this may be completely, absolutely not on your radar and that is absolutely fine. I've mentioned it on a couple of my social media channels. I just wanted to mention it here in case, um, you know, you found out about it along the line and then you felt left out or whatever. It's out there now. Um, the link will be in the show notes to the crowdfunder. Absolutely no obligation. And if you're not interested at all, then I totally get it. You're here to listen about North Korea. Uh, but I thought there may be some of you here who have kind of followed me on, on all of my random journeys in life. And with that, let's finally get on to the podcast. Today's topic, surprising things you can do in North Korea. Like I said at the start... These are things that I've basically written down from expressing to people things that you can do, for example, on social media and stuff, but then also things that I remember tourists being like, oh my gosh, you can actually do that in North Korea. And it's a combination of, you know, things that genuinely are surprising, um, things that also surprise me. And it's a combination of just things that are totally normal to do. And when you think about it again, you're like, yeah, why, why couldn't you do that? So, without further ado, let's start. So the first one is visiting the countryside or going out of Pyongyang. This is a very common misconception about North Korea, uh, that the only place that you can visit is Pyongyang, they don't let you see anything outside the capital city, I think everyone's heard of that. It's such a common thing that so many people say to me, you know, I did, uh, actually, the first thing would probably be, I didn't know that you could even visit North Korea. So that is our first surprising thing, is that you can actually visit the country. And honestly, that's why I do what I do here, because I want to promote North Korea tourism, because all of you guys know it's possible, but most people don't know it's possible. Once you're in North Korea, however, you will be able to go to a lot of other places outside of Pyongyang. Actually, you can visit all provinces apart from one province. And again, this is all my information is pre-COVID, so it may be a little bit outdated now. Um, I doubt that it would get more, you know, it's it's basically since tourism started, it's been kind of getting more and more open. Um, so I, I doubt that it would go the other way, but um, you can visit every single province apart from one as a foreigner and the only reason that you can't visit it as a as a western tourist or actually as a non-chinese tourist is because i think the border can only handle like chinese id cards i don't think that it has like international passport facilities it's a border with china um and yeah i think it's like a land border it's not one that you fly into so i'm pretty sure that that's why that province is off limits um, or at least was um, a few years ago still, even though it was open to Chinese tourists for after after a long time of like being closed and stuff. So eventually open to Chinese tourists, maybe by the time we get back, it will be open for international passports too. The second thing, which was actually the thing that inspired this the most recently, um, was that someone was really, really surprised uh, that you could stay in a homestay in North Korea. And I've got to give it to you, like, this one is pretty surprising. Like, before I started working in North Korea, even after I'd been as a tourist, I didn't know that you could do homestays in North Korea. And it is a pretty cool thing to do. Let me tell you about the homestay, though. It's a bit of a tricky one, because it's one of those 
where it's like they are just there for you but also it's their house and no it's not a real North Korean house because it's a model house but at the same time it is a real North Korean house because that's where they live like it's a it's a really tricky one and I so it's it's in the northeast this is the place where you do it is in the northeast in um you know an area around Chongjin and Chilbosang kind of area it's not very visited by tourists usually but it's a very very cool place and the homestay itself is absolutely amazing you literally stay right next to the beach it's a really cool experience I mean I'll get into it um in a little bit but honestly, I just remember looking from my window and seeing the sea and, you know, we had beach barbecues. It was so much fun. And it's the only time in North Korea that I've ever ridden a motorbike. And this was basically, you know, one of those don't ask, don't get situations where um, we were walking back to the homestay area from the beach. And I think it must have been one of the friends of um, one of the guides. Anyway, this guy went past on a motorbike and he started talking to one of the guides and he was going in the direction of the homestay. And I was just like, can I have a lift? And he was like, he kind of looked at my guide and my guide was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so got on and just, I don't know, not many people can say that they've ridden a motorbike in North Korea, but that was a pretty cool experience. So the homestay, getting back to that, it's a very cool experience, don't get me wrong. Um, I just want to cover the initial bit of it being a homestay or not. So this is basically a homestay village area and it's a homestay for foreigners to experience traditional Korean living. And you do that, you know, you can play volleyball, you can, you can play it with like the local team, you can make noodles in like traditional way of literally like they're rice noodles so you have to hammer the rice with a big mallet on stone and then once it's all together you put it through a traditional noodle machine it's actually a lot of effort you know you do this cooking class but it it, it takes a lot out of you uh, you can also uh, take part in shirum i think it's called shirum which is traditional korean wrestling so it's a very cool experience and then like i said you know at, at the evening time you can go to the beach or during the day as well also go to the beach and just hang around in the area. Now, it is a model area and it is built for tourists and it is a homestay. So yes, it's not exactly like rocking up to a North Korean's house and just staying in their home, but really who expected that you could do that? But you are literally living with North Koreans who do literally live there. They're just living they've just, you know, been put in this model house and they're supposed to be, you know, I suppose like model citizens, at least of this area. And they treat you like a guest, you know, like actually you have breakfast together with the family and you can help them out in the kitchen or you can just, um, you know, observe them, stuff like that. You can try to speak to them. It is kind of difficult because they don't speak any English. So unless you can speak Korean, you might have some awkward moments, but you do then sleep in a traditional area where you have your own tatami mat. There's no hot water, um, but you'll have like a little bucket shower. And it's all very basic. I actually have some photos, again, on my Instagram. Um, 
where you know it has this old massive TV in there and it's it's very basic and it's not as if they put you in the most well-off of homes when you go to this homestay. You, it's a very humble house. It's not this massive grand mansion that you go to at all. It's, it's actually a very... They've built it in like traditional Korean style. So um, the buildings themselves are very traditional Korean. And then inside it's it's much more typical, I would say. Mm, kind of North Korean, I suppose. Um, there's definitely not a lot of you know, show of affluence and wealth and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, you do get a sense that it's not the richest area. And that's the, the next thing that I was also going to mention is that despite the fact that these will be model houses um, and potentially model citizens and stuff like that, and this, this village has, you know, this little area has kind of been created as a tourist spot, it just takes, like... A second of your time to look out of the window when you're going along in the bus to realize what kind of an area you're in. You know, the northeast is, I guess, a lot poorer than Pyongyang. And when people say that they don't show you, you know, the poor sides of North Korea, like they do. Um, and I'm not saying that they show you everything. I'm not saying that they, they show you the extreme poverty and stuff like that. Um, I have no idea what's being hidden from me, right? And I, I'm not going to be naive to that. However, it's not all flashy and, you know, like, really affluent, like, in, in some places in Pyongyang or, like, some fancy department stores and stuff like that. You just take a short bush journey. In fact, the road to this little village area is, um, you know, you really see some, some poor-looking houses there. Um, nothing that I haven't seen before in other countries, I have to say, but... You know, you do see the aspects of poverty that are in the DPRK. Um, and I'm saying this, you know, because I think it's relevant in the context of the homestay, where some people might feel that it's a little bit uncomfortable to stay in this really weird area that is kind of like just for show. It's obvious that the area actually, if they wanted it to be for show, then they would have done it a lot differently. They would have put a homestay in Pyongyang, for example. But the fact that you are staying in a house in the Northeast, that's pretty incredible. If things were all for a show, then, you know, why wouldn't they put a homestay in Pyongyang instead? You do get to see a lot more in depth of the lives here. And that's not through obvious things, perhaps, but it is through the surroundings and through your own observations that not, aren't necessarily shown to you, but you can still see. And that's kind of what I say a lot of the time is that, you know, yeah, sure, they only show you what they want to show you, but you can really see a lot more. And it's true. And I don't speak about the poverty a lot here because because it's not my aim and by doing that I'm not kind of trying to be naive and trying to ignore it I'm just kind of I'm trying to show this different side to things anyway I feel like we got really deep really quickly into that but my conclusion to this is that there is a homestay in North Korea that you can stay in and you do get a very very valuable experience of it you get to live with North Koreans and you know, real North Koreans experience their lives in, in their real house and stuff like that. Um, and so it is a, a really amazing experience, actually. And I would recommend it to anyone considering a slightly longer tour going to the Northeast. 
I promise the other ones are not going to take this long. The next one is a little bit lighter. The next one is something that for some reason so many people are surprised about, but it's like totally the opposite is true. So, so many people are surprised that you can drink alcohol in North Korea. And I think, I genuinely think that this misconception just comes from the fact that it's a strict country and we associate strict countries with things like not being able to drink alcohol. Well, in North Korea, the, the North Koreans love drinking alcohol, just like their, their friends in South Korea, you know? Um, the, it's a big part of the culture and it will, you know, if you are a drinker as well, then it will be a big part of your tour. And if you're not a drinker, then that's absolutely fine. It doesn't have to be part of your tour at all. But the guides do love a drink in the evening. And um, and I always say, having a drink with them, buying them a beer or something in the evening, you're going to find out and learn so much about the country compared to visiting the art museum or something like that. No offense to the art museum, but, um, you know, half an hour speaking to, to one of the North Koreans over a chilled pint in the evening um, can um, can be very insightful. And just on the topic of talking and chatting to North Koreans, another surprising thing that you can do in North Korea is indeed talking to locals. Now, there is a bit of a caveat here. <laughs> there is no rule saying that you cannot talk to the locals. There are two problems here, and I, I think I've spoken about this before. Number one, they might not want to talk to you. Number two, you probably don't speak Korean, and they probably don't speak English. So this is where the problem lies, and this is why you don't see many people talking to North Koreans. First of all, if you talk, try and talk to a North Korean in Pyongyang, uh, somewhere where they're used to seeing, um, you know, tourists and stuff like that, maybe on the Pyongyang metro, if they want to, if they feel comfortable enough to, then, you know, they'll have a conversation with you if they can speak Korean, uh, sorry, if they can speak English or you can speak Korean or, you know, you can even ask the guides to translate for you if you really do want to chat to someone. But I think it's important to understand that Koreans, they're very shy people anyway. They will also be very nervous around you because you're a foreigner and this is a country that does not see many foreigners. You're probably going to be dressed very differently, you'll be acting very differently, you might look very different. And to them, that can be quite daunting. Um, also, you know, they have they might be worried in the background, like, you know, if they if they might get into trouble with talking to a foreigner, stuff like that. There is no law forbidding them to talk to a foreigner, you don't have to worry. But, you know, for example, they might worry that you're a foreign journalist or you're going to do something evil um, by, you know, them talking to you or you'll twist their words or something. They're very, very paranoid people and very not trustworthy. And so I think those things have to be taken in consideration before you attempt to speak to a North Korean. Um, the second thing is as well, like, don't just expect that they'll want to speak to you um, just because you're a foreigner in their country or whatever. They have no obligation to speak to you at all. Maybe they're busy, maybe they're thinking about something else, maybe they just don't want to be bothered. I know I probably, you know, if someone stopped me on the street and just I was started asking me really weird questions, I'd probably feel a bit uncomfortable. I don't know about you guys. So, you know, just take all these things into consideration. North Koreans are normal people. Um, they can speak to you, but there's language barriers and also they don't have to speak to you. There's no obligation for them to do that. But I personally have been approached by North Koreans to have a chat and stuff. Um, I speak very, very limited Korean, so, you know, that only goes so far. But there have been several times where 
you know, I have talked to North Koreans, um, and there's also been like a few times where they've approached me to talk to me. One of my absolutely favorite times is when I was at Kwanbok Supermarket, and again, I've told this story before, but uh, so sorry if you've heard it before, but I, I just, it was just such a nice memory. Uh, Kwanbok Supermarket is one of the department stores that you can visit. It's very, very local. It's not like the new fancy ones, all, all local produce and stuff like that. We usually stay here for about an hour, 40 minutes, and I've been in there, I know what it's like. I basically tell everyone where everything is, and then I park myself, depending on the weather, outside in the lovely um, street food kind of beer area. It's like it's kind of like a beer garden um, that does, like, yeah, street food kind of stuff. You know, it's got barbecue, um, stuff like that, and very, very cheap beer. So I usually sit out there, I mind everyone's bags if they have a lot of bags so they can do their own shopping. I was sat here one day and I was in the traditional North Korean dress because I think it was a national holiday. If I'm not mistaken, it was the holiday in September. And yeah, a guy approached me and I think um, that he'd probably been drinking a little bit, you know, some of that Dutch courage. But um, he came up to me and he really appreciated the fact that I was, you know, embracing their culture and was wearing the traditional Korean dress. And he was thanking me to co uh, for coming to their country. And he was asking me what I think about their wonderful country, you know, that is um, ruled under the leadership of the wonderful leaders and stuff like that. So, you know, in my limited Korean, I tried to try to respond and tried to understand what you were saying. But Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It just goes to show, you know, um, these some people are shy and some people are nervous. Um, in Pyongyang, they're probably very used to seeing foreigners. In the more countryside areas or the more least visited areas, then it will be a different story. They're probably a lot more nervous around you for sure. You have to remember the kind of propaganda that they grow up with, um, the kind of, you know, uh, messages that are instilled to them that you know, foreigners are evil and, you know, and, and Western ideology, Western ideals, all of this kind of stuff is, is, is terrible and, you know, we should stay away from it. And, you know, so they grow up in this kind of um, mindset and I think that's important to remember as well. Okay, on to the next thing and I'm going to group a few here together. We're going to talk about strange things, um, strange leisure things that you can do in North Korea. First one is sing karaoke. Um, a lot of people don't know that, you know, you can actually have such fun on a North Korea tour. I think that's the thing that shocked people the most, actually, is that it's kind of fun. Um, and whilst it's not like a normal holiday where you go to have fun and, you know, lie on a beach and stuff like that, you learn a lot. But genuinely, it's also a lot of fun. 
Um, and the North Koreans really make sure that they give you the best time, whether that be joining you for karaoke in the evening or drinking or just showing you their really nice, you know, beautiful landscapes and stuff like that. They make sure that you have fun. So, yeah, first one, karaoke. You can also get a massage. You can get a haircut at a local hair parlor. The massage I have had once in North Korea. I have to say it's probably been one of the most painful massages I've ever had in my life. Um, you can go to a shooting range and even catch your own dinner if you're good enough. And well, not catch, shoot. It's it's pretty grim, actually. I'm not gonna lie. I think they just have basically like pheasants in the back. Like you can choose to kind of target a pheasant. And I'm sorry for any um any squeamish or vegetarians <laughs> listening. Um, yeah, you can choose to to target one of them. I think there's chickens actually. Maybe not pheasants. Maybe both. Either way. Um, if you manage to hit one, it's yours to take home. Yeah, but it's it's not like a nice shooting range where they're running in the fields and you try and shoot at them. They're literally just in a little area, so it kind of takes whatever fun there is out of shooting animals, kind of takes that away. <laughs> Awful. Anyway, um, there is that opportunity. Um, I, if you don't want to shoot at animals, you can also just shoot at targets. It's probably the nicer thing to do. The next one take a photo of military. So this one is something that you can do um, for a lot of, um, it's kind of become like the image that I use, I guess, um, is the interview that I kind of did with the North Korean military guard. Obviously, I have a photo with him and I actually have several photos with several military officers. One of my absolute favorite photos is me on, on a sofa with like five of the soldiers all around me. Like they really want to take a photo. It's really fun. So <laughs> this is something that you can do in North Korea. Everyone thinks that you can't and everyone thinks that you can't for a really good reason because you should not. Anywhere in North Korea, apart from in one place. In only one place in North Korea, you can take a photo with a military guard, um, with a soldier. You shouldn't take a photo of them anywhere else, otherwise you will get in trouble. But at the DMZ, when you go there, if you ask nicely, then you can take pictures of soldiers there, of the military there. The next thing, you can actually use North Korean money. So a lot of people think that when you go to North Korea you can only use foreign currency and this is also kind of true but there are a select few places where foreigners can and indeed have to use local currency. One of them being the supermarket that I mentioned before, the Kwangbok supermarket. You do need to use local currency in there because they are a local supermarket. There's also like a couple of other places like that um, but otherwise you cannot use North Korean won anywhere else. You have to use foreign money. So there is definitely truth behind that one, but there is actually opportunity to use North Korean won, North Korean money. You cannot and should not take it out of the country, however. And I did write this one down before and I realized I've kind of already said it in passing and a lot of these come up when I basically say something in passing and people are like, wow, I never realized you could do that. I said before that you, I was sitting at Kwambak and there's like street food and stuff like that. You might be surprised to know that you can have street food in North Korea. Well, yeah, you can have street food in North Korea and I bet <laughs> you probably didn't think you could do that. This is one of those places, though, that will only accept Korean won. And in this instance, if you did want to have some like street food as you were passing by a market or whatever, um, if you're passing by like stalls and you see something that you want, if it's okay with your Korean guides to like kind of stop, if if you know you're not in a rush to get to a place, and if everyone in your group decides, if you're on a private tour, it's way easy. But if you know you're in a group tour and you don't want to stop the whole group, right? 
if everyone is fine with it, then it's fine. In this instance, you should like get one of the guides to buy it for you and then like maybe pay them back in, um, in you know, you currency, foreign currency, because these kind of street vendors, they get a bit weird if, you know, tons of foreigners come up to them and they're using Korean won and they shouldn't be using Korean won and you shouldn't even have it. And yeah, it's all very strange. So um, yeah, you can have street food in North Korea, basically. The next two things basically stem from the fact that they used to be banned. Um, so the first thing is um, taking photos and videos from the bus or in fact taking photos and videos in general. It used to be not permitted to take photos um, from from inside the bus um, but it's absolutely fine now. I do it all the time. Um, absolutely no problem. And the second one is yes you can take your mobile phone into North Korea. It used to be banned. That was ages ago. Way before my time going into North Korea. Um, it's decades ago now. So you can take your phone in, you can take your cameras in. There is very few limits on what you can take in when it in terms of like camera equipment apart from obviously if you're bringing in like massive amounts of camera equipment that would make someone think that you're a journalist then you're probably going to be questioned. And before we stray too far away from the Kwanbok supermarket one thing that I did have on this list as well that you never thought that you can do in North Korea on sale in the Kwanbok supermarket is actually Viagra so you can buy yourself some Viagra in North Korea. This podcast is not explicitly an adult podcast, so I will move swiftly on from that topic. But I will note that it is herbal and it is mainly a base of ginseng, which uh, the Koreans do say makes men stronger. Not my words, but theirs. One thing I bet you never knew that you could do in North Korea was be on state TV. So actually, I'm pretty sure that at least one tour group, if not two tour groups of mine have made an appearance, including myself, on North Korean state TV. Actually, when you think about it, it makes complete sense. Um, they absolutely love a chance to propagate the fact that, you know, there's foreigners coming to the country and having a great time. And also, you know, they usually take these videos when, for example, so it's usually on a national holiday. Let me give you some context here, what I mean being on state TV. It's usually when something is happening, right? Um, and they're, they're going to, um, you know, talk about it in the evening news. And one of the things is, is when there is a national holiday, everyone usually goes to pay their respects to the great leaders, the, the monuments, the big statues um, in Pyongyang. And we also go there as well. We usually go on a national holiday. One common misconception here is that you need to go to this place and that you absolutely must bow for them. I wish that I'd have done this in the last episode on myths because this is such a thing that annoys me because it's actually the opposite. The opposite is true. It's not an easy place to go to. It's not a tourist spot, okay? For the North Koreans, this spot is very, very sacred. It's very important to them. So actually, they don't like taking tourists there for the sake of tourism. And we don't go for the sake of tourism, you know, or like, that's not why we should be going, you know, when you go there, you should be going there to pay your respects to the leaders. However you want to think of it, um, that's how you should act anyway. You don't have to go there by any means. In fact, a lot of people, um, actually not a lot of people, I would say like maybe one or two in every group, if that, decide that they don't want to do that. And that's absolutely fine. And if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to bow, then you stay in the bus at the bottom. And that's absolutely fine. You know, <laughs> no problem to anyone. 
Anyway, um, if there's a national holiday or something like that, usually there are tons of crowds there, it's, it's a big atmosphere, everyone is going to put their flowers and bouquets down, and sometimes they have a film crew there, and if the film crew there happen to be there at the same time as the foreigners, then you're probably going to end up on TV at some point. So I bet you never knew that you can make an appearance on North Korean TV. The next one that a lot of people don't know that you can do in North Korea is ride the local transportation. Now this ranges from the train to the tram to the trolleybus. All of these you can ride but again usually it is a little bit tricky so the train you can ride the completely local train that's absolutely you know you can go from Pyongyang all the way up to the northeast and right into Russia if you wanted to and that is a very local train that's going to take you days and there'll be lots of breakdowns and it's probably going to be a very very traditional experience in North Korea that you know is, is going to be very very um, very pure. You can ride the trolleybus and the tram as well in um, two big cities in Pyongyang and in Chongjin however you won't be riding with the locals. I guess this is usually because like they're so crammed um, and we usually only um, do this with like a big group of people and stuff and so basically we hire out like one of the trams and one of the trolley buses for everyone to have a ride around and experience in. You can't get on like the ones that are full with like local people and stuff like that. It's just they're just too full. It just wouldn't be a great experience. And I think in the North Korean size as well, it wouldn't be, you know, nice for the tourists, even though for some people or for some travelers that, you know, really like that experience of being thrown in the back of a tuk-tuk and just sitting on strangers' laps and stuff like that. And it all being a bit chaotic and chickens flying everywhere. And, you know, I've definitely been in that experience. Um, but for the North Koreans, I think putting a foreigner through that would probably be like, feel like embarrassing to them. So I guess that's why they would feel that they'd rather as like, you know, get on our own tram or our own trolley bus. It is the exact same tram, the exact same trolley bus. It is, you know, they're used for locals. They just don't have any locals on them. The next few things I'm going to mention are all to do with sports. And now actually a few people have asked me to talk about sports and I will get around to the topic. Um, but just to let you know here, some basic sports that you can do in North Korea that I bet you never knew that you could do or never really thought of. First one is go hiking. I've been on some incredible hikes in North Korea. Actually, some of the most amazing hikes I've ever been on in my life. Um, one of them I'll never forget was in Chilbosan, that's in the northeast. And it was just a combination of the fact that there was no people there. It was my first time there. It was beautiful blue skies. And when you get to the top of this, um, this mountain, you just look down upon like a massive mountain range. And when you get to this other area, you're looking out to the sea and you're standing on a mountain. Oh, it's just absolutely amazing. And just, you know, if it was in any other country, that, that would be teeming with people. So it's just, yeah, it was a really nice experience. And, it, you know, two or three hours and you get to chat with the guides and it's just, it's just really lovely. Um, you can run a marathon. Um, or you can just run five or 10k or half a marathon if you want. I will definitely, before I, um, you know, when I first started working in North Korea, I was not a runner at all. Since then, I've become an ultra runner. So I'm definitely going to take part in the Pyongyang Marathon in 2024, hopefully, if it's, <laughs> if it's open finally by then. Um, if not, you know, any year, I will take part in it for sure. I think it's an amazing experience. I've done the 10k before, a lot of fun. Even if just for the fact that you walk back into a stadium, or run back I should say, run into a stadium of literally like thousands of Koreans all cheering you on, it's quite impressive. 
The next board is skiing and technically also snowboarding, although you would have to bring your own snowboard. You can indeed ski there. Actually, a lot of people do know this because the ski resort is pretty famous, um, but nevertheless, people are still surprised that you can ski. Um, you know, even if they know about the ski resort, they presume foreigners can't go. Foreigners can indeed go. I did go in January 2020 um, and you can snowboard there, but you need to bring your own equipment for that. You can also go horse riding, which I did in September 2019. Um, and you're probably going to be riding on the horses, potentially, that um, take part in the military parades and stuff like that. They are Pyongyang's finest, finest horses. You could also take part in a volleyball game, which I kind of mentioned before um, at the homestay, but you can also do this in Pyongyang and... Um, you can play against the Koreans. Actually, they take volleyball very, very seriously and um, they're very good at it. So if you want to take on Koreans in a volleyball game, be prepared. And after all of this hiking, you might be, uh, sorry, and after all of this sports, you might need something somewhere to chill out. You might be surprised to know that in North Korea, you can actually visit a Jimjilbang. Now, if you've been to South Korea, you probably know what Jimjilbang is. If you've ever been to Japan, you probably know what an onsen is. If you've ever been to, I guess, China and Taiwan, they have Wenchuan. It's basically a hot spring, right? Um, in South Korea though, and in North Korea, they're kind of different. Actually, in South Korea, they're very, very different and they're very cool in my opinion. It's, it's the best country for Jim Jilbangs because you go in and because South Korea has like two steps. In Japan, for example, it's like one step. You basically, there's guys and girls and you strip completely butt naked and then you go and bathe um, and it's really nice, it's really chill, but you are completely naked and it is only, you know, women or men. Um, and then afterwards, that's pretty much it. In South Korea, however, you can spend the whole day there because after you've been through this first stage of bathing, you're then given clothing to wear and then you go into like the second stage, which is like an area with games. It's got um, a bar, it's got a restaurant, it's got various different areas where you can go into like various different heated rooms or cool rooms or, you know, couches and beanbags to lie on. Very cool. Genuinely, you can spend the whole day or also indeed the whole night and they are great places not because of my own experience, I promise. They are great places to kip if you have drunk too much and are far away from home or don't want to pay for the taxi or if you rock up somewhere in a city in South Korea during a national holiday and realize that you have no booking for a hotel and need somewhere to sleep. Again, I promise not from my own experience. <laughs> Next up, you can go to the beach in North Korea. I did kind of mention this before, but not only can you go to the beach and walk along the beach by yourself, by the way. I, during this time, I was like walking along the beach by myself. It was very nice. You can also stay in beach huts, which most people are surprised about. This is on the East Coast in Hamhung. They have this, um, yeah, little area where you have beach huts, like beach houses. And um, they're not huts, I guess. They are more like actual houses but they're right on the beach absolutely lovely and again something that if it was anywhere else but North Korea would be very very popular. This one is something that I spoke about recently on the podcast so I won't go on about it too much but surprisingly in North Korea you can stray away from the itinerary and you can show up somewhere unannounced. A lot of people seem to think that like everyone wherever you go like they're going to be aware that like oh my gosh foreigners are coming and everything's going to be set up for you. It's absolutely not like that and I've, I've told so many anecdotes before. The biggest one is when I tried to show up to a restaurant and um, you know <laughs> like 
we hadn't made a booking and so they wouldn't let us in, blah, blah, blah. Um, there have been so many cases where like that, um, where I've basically like been there by myself and I've just kind of done whatever I wanted to do to a certain extent. <laughs> you know, there are still rules and you do have to book some places before you go. Um, and also I want to reiterate, this is like me by myself with the North Koreans. If you are on a group tour, then straying away from the itinerary is pretty difficult because you've got 20 other people, 10 other people that, you know, should like what you want to do as well. Like if you want to change the itinerary and it's like a group decision and you're all like, hey, um, we don't want to go to this museum, we all want to go to this bar or we all want to go to, I don't know, do karaoke instead, then, you know, it's probably going to be fine. Um, but, again, bearing in mind that some places do need to be booked in advance for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, you can stay, uh, you can stray away from the itinerary and you can show up at places unannounced. Next up is the fact that you can get a tailored suit in North Korea. So, um, you can actually also get the traditional dress as well, but um, they're very, very expensive. Um, and I'm not sure that you can get those tailored, but you can definitely, in the Yangakdo Hotel, get yourself a suit tailored, a traditional North Korean suit. There's always someone on tour that gets one, and um, I don't think that they regret it because those things, they look good and I mean they are done in record time. A whole suit tailored just for you on your tour in North Korea. Pretty impressive. I'd like to know if anyone actually wears these outside of North Korea though. <laughs> getting to the end of things here and this one is probably not a new one for most of you but you can actually get the passports down to North Korea. If you listen to my episode on Rason uh, a couple of episodes back then you'll realize that Rason is one of the only places where you can get this passport stamp but yes it's notoriously hard to get. Most people don't ever get the North Korea passport stamp, but it is possible. Listen to the Rasan episode if you want to find out more about that. And last but not least, almost kind of last, is you can visit a trade expo and various expos and stuff like that. Um, There's this whole big story on the crypto expo. expo. There was actually... Um, a cryptocurrency expo there. Um, I'm not going to go into that because anyway, just Google it yourself. Uh, it ended in a pretty interesting way. And I actually listened to a really interesting podcast on it recently. Um, but there is an annual trade expo and I've been there um, a couple of times and that's very interesting to see what kind of like, you know, what they're seeing as important in the world of trade, what they're looking at you know, getting into in terms of trade and stuff like that. So you can visit an expo in North Korea too, which I bet you never thought that you can do. And last but not least, this is a pretty out there one. Someone on Instagram the other day basically left this comment that just just really annoyed me and I just wanted to address it, um, that, you know, I get this a lot. So they basically, you know, dared me to break the rules in North Korea and see if I don't get put in a concentration camp. And this is something I get surprisingly a lot. Maybe it's not so surprising. Anyway, I just want to say that this topic is, you know, things that you can do in North Korea. And I don't want to say that you can break the rules in North Korea because you shouldn't break the rules in North Korea. And, but I do want to reiterate that, like, I've gone over this before, but I do want to reiterate that if you break the rules in North Korea, depending on what rule it is, then, you know, it's not immediate being sent to a concentration camp. The comment I'm talking about inst on Instagram was basically someone told me to fold up a piece um, of um, of the newspaper with one of the leader's faces on and um, and give it to a Korean. And I, you know, they, they said like, try and do that and not be put in a concentration camp. And I'm like, 
no, because like that's deemed as really offensive to them. But also like that wouldn't happen. Um, <laughs> you're not going to be put into a concentration camp for something like that. And yeah, whilst I don't want to say that you can break the rules in North Korea, I think a lot of people are worried about what if they break the rules accidentally. And so this is kind of what I want to mention is that because this has happened before. Um, I was on tour and one of my group members, um, they folded um, a piece of the newspaper um, and put it in the bin and it did have, um, you know, one of the leader's faces on. And so, of course, the North Koreans saw this as really offensive and they say, you know, as an act of like going against their country and stuff, of being offensive to the leaders. So this person in the end, they basically wrote a letter of apology to the hotel and that was it, you know. If you were to then do it again the next day and again the next day, then you know, things are going to get pretty serious. But with this, I just want to say, if you break the rules in North Korea and it is something quite small and it is obviously accidental and you obviously have no malicious intent behind it, then, you know, it's generally going to be okay. If you keep doing it, then you might get problems. So you shouldn't break the rules in North Korea. North Korea is not a place to play around in. However, if you do happen to accidentally break one of the rules, you don't need to worry too much if you did it purely accidentally and had no mal intent behind it. Anyway, that basically concludes today's podcast on surprising things that you can do in North Korea. I hope it was kind of interesting for you. It was brought together basically by comments that I've had from all of you over the past few years. I've probably left out a lot um, that I haven't put in here. So if you have any ideas of things that have surprised you that you found out from me or from anywhere else um, on things that you can do in North Korea, then let me know. Give me a comment on any of my social media channels. Give me an email, zoediscovers at gmail.com. Find me anywhere on at zoediscovers. And I will see you next week, hear from you next week. Sorry again about the sped up version on episode 24, but do go back and listen to it if you have any other time this week. Thank you once again. Bye-bye.